fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society, allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. What up? Yes, indeed. Welcome into the program. It is a Tuesday, the greatest day of the entire week, making things happen for another day in paradise. At least that's what I tell myself. And when we say it enough times, and by golly, it's going to happen and it's going to come true, right? That's what we do. Welcome into the show. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch, listen to the show. We love you to death. Always a pleasure. Welcome aboard. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day bottom of the hour today dr stephen soloway he is formerly with the trump administration is one of the healthcare advisors he's also author of his book which i just lost here oh here we go bad medicine dr soloway.com we'll talk with him about government healthcare industry insurance how big governments kind of destroyed things and we'll talk about just the healthcare industry in general and how it's evolved over the last few years so we'll get to all that on the program we have a lot of things to talk about, obviously. We have the announcement from Donald Trump later on this evening. We'll do some speculation there. The internal bickerings of the Republican Party, obviously. Should he be the face of the Republican Party or should we move on to somebody different? That is the question to be or not to be a Trump Republican Party again. That is the big question. We'll talk about that. How he impacted the elections this year is now the internal bickering has begun. The media obviously fueling that fire because they are desperate to make sure he doesn't get another nomination. The mainstream uh, Democrats, the mainstream media, livid of the fact that he's already announcing. So uh, what is that going to do to the Republican Party internally? And will we buy into the internal bickering that's going on? But before we get into all that, there is some breaking news, um, some concerning news, two bits of concerning news, I think. The first one, I think a little more devastating or potentially devastating as we go through the day you may not have heard this one but there is some issues going on with russia in the ukraine right now as russia has been sending missiles left and right to ukraine and blowing up towns on the poland border why all the way over there not quite sure but they've been doing it and one of those missiles apparently made its way across Ukraine and into Poland, killing two individuals after stray Russian rockets landed near the border as the rockets landed inside the NATO state following Russia's bombardment of Ukraine, where they've launched nearly 100 rockets throughout the day today. The prime minister of Poland has called an emergency meeting following the explosion with two individuals dying. That is a concern because now they've breached over to another country that could potentially start a world war right there. That could start a conflict with Poland. While Poland's obviously been taking in the refugees, they've been helping Ukraine, but not in the sense of military, not in the sense of actually fighting Russia. But if you end up killing Poland's citizens, then you've taken things just a bit too far. Now, obviously, it was more than likely an accident. Whoopsies! But just shows how lack of technology they have to actually make their missiles accurate and killing two Polish citizens. And now the prime minister of Poland having a meeting on what to do next. If they get involved, then NATO gets involved. It's If NATO gets involved, then it's all of Europe against Russia, which means we as, have essentially started a world war. 
So let's hope that we can res- uh, resolve this relatively soon. But it just reiterates, we haven't talked about Russia here in a while, it reiterates the fact that a global government, the United Nations, has done absolutely nothing. I know they came out and they've passed a resolution saying that Russia needs to uh, give reparations to Ukraine after everything they've done. That's, that's it. The reparations. Yeah. Not, you need to stop it. Not, we're going to investigate the crimes against humanity. Not, you've just been using missiles to blow up towns and civilians. Not all the stupid crap that you've done, Russia, and crazy communist Vladimir Putin. But no, no, you just need to pay reparations and stop the war. Stop it. Just You're being mean. Just pay the reparations and be over it. If that's not a complete massive failure in world dominance and world government from the United Nations, I don't know what is. We'll see how NATO responds to this one. That's one bit of news today. The other bit of news that has been going on throughout the morning today that the media is relishing in right now, let's go back to our breaking news is the governor's race in the state of Arizona has officially been called for Katie Hobbs with 50.4% to 49.6%, a one less than 1% difference in that race and a difference of right around 19,000 votes between the two as they have officially called it for Katie Hobbs. Carrie Lake said that Arizonans don't believe it as the media saying the election denier, the Trump election denier who falsely claimed the voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Gary Lake, the lake is dried up. They're loving this. Read some of the headlines in the mainstream media right now. They're going absolutely berserk over the fact that Carrie Lake lost because she was one of the more firebrand Trump supporters, a solid conservative individual and someone who was going to clean up the electoral process, which is why they did not want her to win in the state of Arizona. Now, I am certain that there will be some litigation. There will be some challenges. There will be some revotes, uh, recounts, and who knows what's going to happen. What I will say but it goes without needing to be said that Arizona needs to clean up their electoral system in the state. There is zero, and I repeat, zero reason why Arizona needed to wait exactly seven days to call a governor's race or a Senate race that was just called over the weekend or yesterday, whenever it was, uh, for the Democrat as well. There is zero reason why it should take that long. It should be done election night, period, End of story. The fact that they had so many voter machine issues, the fact that they had ballot printing issues in so many precincts, the fact that Maricopa County has been the disaster every single time. It is sad. It is pathetic. And it needs to change. And I think that's why Katie Hobbs ended up winning Uh, as yes, she was the secretary of state. But as she was walking through some of the precincts, she was walking through the counting rooms. She's on the ballot. She's not supposed to be doing that. So I'm I'm sorry. I call shenanigans. It doesn't quite make sense to me. Uh, She's another one where this is, and again, this goes into the divide that we see in this nation. She didn't campaign. She was, as many are saying, she was the Joe Biden candidate of Arizona. She did not go on the campaign trail. She did not meet with constituents. She did not go and actually do a debate with Carrie Lake. She stayed in her home. She did nothing except for run TV ads and have yard signs out and about. That's it. And you should not be able to win an election that way. That shows how divided we are. That shows how nasty politics is because you don't even have to go out and talk to people. And people will be like, oh, you have a D in front of your name or you have an R in front of your name. I'm going to vote for you because I despise the other person. I don't know anything about you. You're not out talking to people. You're not out relating to us. You're not out talking about what you want to do. You're not doing any of that. All you're saying is that you are on the ballot, so therefore I'm going to vote for you. And you get a percentage of the vote. And in fact, in Arizona, if this is accurate and legitimate, 
you get a majority of the votes by not even doing a damn thing, not relating, not talking, not actually being a candidate of the people. That's a concern, is it not? That's a major concern. If you take the 2020 election and you see it as legitimate and Joe Biden shattering the record for like the most amount of votes that any president has ever seen in entire existence, and that was after Donald Trump also received the record-breaking most amount of votes that anybody had ever seen in existence of the history of the United States. So apparently we had two shatter, shatter record-shattering candidates, and he didn't even campaign. And again, that either goes to they really, really like him or they really, really hated the other guy or there's other weird things going on here. So this is the same thing. I'm sure there's going to be litigation. We don't know anything more other than right now with 98% reporting him. The Associated Press has officially called Katie Hobbs to be the next governor of Arizona over Cary Lake with less than a 1% difference and about 19,000 votes that are separating between the two. That's weird news. And what does that mean moving forward? What does that mean for the Republicans moving forward? It brings up an interesting question because tonight Donald Trump is set to announce his presidency. That's what all the speculation's about. That's what everybody's saying is that he's going to be announcing his presidency tonight. When we watched him last week in Ohio uh, campaigning for J.D. Vance, he said that an announcement was coming up next week. So he announced the announcement and let the internal bickering begin. Again, the Republican Party is shooting itself in the foot and can't just go along to see what's going to happen. Here's the kicker. We have a beautiful system, especially in the Republican Party, that's called a primary. And unlike Democrats, we don't have superdelegates to where the Democrat elected officials get to choose the candidate for the people because Democrats don't like to actually represent the people they say they represent. We do. And while Donald Trump may or may not announce tonight, which more than likely he will, we have a wonderful system called a primary where we could have Ron DeSantis, we could have, I don't know, Christy Nome, we could have, God forbid, someone like John Kasich again. We could probably have a, a presidential panel of 11 candidates that could be going into the 2024 presidential election. Again, the question is, who will be the face of that? And let the internal bickering again begin because the media loves fueling that fire. We have to look at what Donald Trump's done. He's created a movement within the Republican Party that has been bigger than, I'd say, even the Tea Party, bigger than most political uh, movements in this nation. And while they're blaming him for Kerry Lake, they're blaming him for Dr. Oz, they're blaming him for the lack of momentum within the Republican Party right now that was supposed to be a red wave and a red tsunami, he still won 82% overall with all of his general election endorsements. And by the way, that was 254 of them. That was the most endorsements that he's ever made. Uh, even when he was a president on the tail end of it in 2020, he did 182 endorsements, and he came out with a 78% success rate. This one at 254 endorsements, he got 82% correct. Not bad. Not bad for a guy who's still going around the country and bringing in 10 to 20 to 30,000 people at a rally every single time in these states all over the place. He's still a massive voice within the Republican Party. But we have this primary to where if you don't like Donald Trump, you can vote for somebody else and let this actually be the telltale sign. Now, what we have to do 
I feel like a broken record here because this is the same story that we tell the Republicans every year for elections. Number one, grow a spine when you're in office and actually stand up for something. We have Kevin McCarthy that's already jumped through the first hurdle to become potentially Speaker of the House as Republicans will win these uh, House of Representatives. And we don't want Kevin McCarthy because Kevin McCarthy will cave when the Senate and the President blame him for a government shutdown and he'll push his caucus, the Republican Party, into voting for the certain legislation. We've had this conversation, I don't know how many times, and yet they haven't learned their lesson. The other lesson that Republicans haven't learned is that we eat our own so good. We eat our own better than any other party out there. We obstruct ourselves. Democrats are finally coming into that. Republicans have been doing it for a very long time because we're going to eat ourselves. We're going to get so passionate with a presidential candidate Two years before the election even begins, we're going to get so passionate about a candidate, whether it's Trump, whether it's DeSantis, who's going to better lead the party, who's going to be the face of it, how are we going to better counter the Democrats. We're going to get so passionate that we're going to begin hating each other within the Republican Party. And then after the primary, it's going to be the rebuilding and patching up our wounds and putting the stake on our black eyes because now we have to find a way to went over all over again when the Republicans that lost with their candidate and try and unite the party all over again when we're going to be bitter, we're going to be angry, we're going to be emotionally exhausted, we're going to be politically exhausted, and guess what? You even you haven't even had a week to come down from the midterms from this year that was exhausting, and already it's going to begin probably by tonight and tomorrow morning. That's not a good position for Republicans to be in. Now, that being said, would Donald Trump hurt or help the party? We'll do that when we come back here on the show. we got a lot to get to. It's a Tuesday. It's The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today. 24 minutes past the hour. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride today. It's frustrating, isn't it? We feel like we're banging our head against the wall. The Republican Party always seems to make the matters worse on their own. We're good at complaining about what Democrats do. We're good at trying to play the comeback kid. We're good at trying to play the underdog here. But when we come into leadership, we end up doing things on our own. And then when things go sour within our party, we end up trying to eat ourselves on our own and it's very sad and pretty depressing honestly now however here's two things to take away at this if donald trump announces tonight which is what's expected here's a few things to consider number one is the working with the republican party there are still those within the party it's better than what it was in 2016 when he first got elected into presidency but it's still there that there are some within the republican party that still refuse to work with donald trump thankfully we've gotten rid of liz cheney Thankfully, we've gotten rid of Ben Sass. Thankfully, we, uh, thankfully, we've gotten rid of Jeff Flake. Thankfully, we're on the road to get rid of Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and all these other pretend fake Republicans that have fought against Republican values for years and years and years. We still, however, have some, and it's growing now because of the sentiment that Donald Trump is done, that he's past his prime, that his movement's starting to fade. 
that he's actually doing more harm than good, which isn't true because, again, he had an 83% success rate with his endorsements. Republican Donald Trump, quote-unquote, MAGA and ultra-MAGA candidates that ended up winning in these races. So now some of the big key ones, unfortunately, fell, but I think they had to do with the candidates themselves. Dr. Oz was a moderate who did not campaign for a while and just thought he had it in the bag. And then Carrie Lake, we have another issue where I think it's more of the electoral process in the state of Arizona that's trying to make sure that she's not in office. So I wouldn't put those potential necessarily on Trump on why they either won or lost in those races. The other issue, and I want to be very clear here because we're going to fall into this trap because, again, Republicans panic and we don't just have our we're not self-secure. It's almost like the individual that has security issues. Or has personal issues. I don't like myself. I do bad things. And they're almost like the self-sabotaging individuals because they don't have any self-confidence. Republicans do the exact same thing. And here's what I mean. There are a few within our party, obviously, that are the never-Trumpers. But they will buy into the message from the Democrats and from the mainstream media and from these middle-of-the-road independent people that the media tries to go out of their way to find to say that Donald Trump is not electable any longer that he's harming the Republican Party. Now, I'm not saying this because I endorse Trump or don't endorse Trump. I'm just looking at this as speculation. It uh, Here's what I'm going to say. It doesn't matter who we nominate in the party, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Ron DeSantis, whether it's some other conservative. And here's what I mean. The name of the Republican Party has already been labeled as a Trump movement. Any Republican with conservative views of limited government of lesser taxes, of focus on the private sector, of fighting the establishment, any of that rhetoric has now been labeled as a Trumper. I know this because living in the state of Kansas, we just went through a brutal governor's race where the Democrat did that for the previous governor here. That was Sam Sam Brownback, if anybody remembers that name. He ran for president uh, a few years ago. I, I think it was, was it the six? It wasn't 16. It was the one before that. I think it was 2012. And he dropped out early, but he was the governor here in Kansas. And his name in Kansas to Democrats is like what the name of Trump is to Democrats nationwide. Democrats in Kansas hate the name Sam Brownback. You want to know how our Democrat governor just got elected? By literally running ads saying that our Republican candidate was a Brownbacker. Nothing more. He endorsed Brownback. He supported Brown. He didn't. He was the attorney general under Brownback. But that was it. That's how they won, just labeling him as a Brownbacker. Point is, no matter who we nominate... They're going to label them as a Trumper, an election denier, a MAGA candidate, a radical, a Trumpster, someone who's just a puppet to Donald Trump. It doesn't matter if they have an R in front of their name or they have a conservative mindset, they will be labeled as a Trumper and that's how they will run. So it will not matter to Democrats whether we nominate Trump or somebody else. That is the message that they will get out there is that they are associated with Trump in some way, shape, or form, and that's going to be the quote-unquote tainted name of the Republican Party. We have to push past that and completely ignore it. With Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John right here. Welcome back into the program. Moving right along the fastest hour of radio on, well, radio, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen to the show. We love you to death. Appreciate you very, very much. Joe Biden, how you doing, buddy? Feeling good? Still got two years of presidency. Feeling all right? I want to be clear. 
I'm not going nuts. <laughs> Making sure. Making sure. We'll get back into the Republican Party here in just a bit. There's a lot more to cover there as well as we try to actually be leaders. We had to squeak out a few. And again, it wasn't a complete loss in these elections. It was rough. We didn't win some of them that we wanted. We didn't get the majority in the Senate like I thought we would, like so many thought we would. We didn't get the governor's race in Cary Lake, at least according to the calling that happened earlier today. But that one's still ongoing, and we'll have some more conversations there. But overall, we did well. We flipped a lot of House seats. We will have the majority there. It's whether Kevin McCarthy can actually stand up to the Democrats, which I am very skeptical about. We'll get into that a little bit later, as he did go through the first hurdle of becoming Speaker of the House, and the vote is going on later on this week. I want to shift gears a little bit, though, and obviously one of the major topics in politics right now has been the healthcare industry. At the statewide level, there are still many states, including where I'm at here in Kansas with our flagship radio station, looking to do their Medicaid expansion, which our Democrat governor that just got reelected is trying to push for really, really hard. We have the Obamacare disaster that continues on across the nation. We have healthcare insurance companies that are still a complete disaster. And where are we going? How do we fix some of this? I'm excited to talk with our next guest about these topics and more. What's trending today? As he is author of the book, Medical Politics, How to Protect Yourself from Bad Doctors, Insurance Companies, and Big Government. Excited to have on the program with us here, Dr. Stephen Soloway. Doctor, how are you, my friend? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show tonight. It is great to have you on. I appreciate you coming on very much. This is an issue that affects a lot of individuals. I mean, since I remember when I first got into politics, being 34 myself, and Obama got into office and they started passing these Obamacare initiatives. And from what I could see, the deductibles doubled, the premiums doubled, the coverage of special doctors and specialists ended up just going away. Pharmaceutical prices skyrocketed. And yet we still have people today that still defend Obamacare and say that needs to go further. Where are we today, and can we get things back on track? i I got to tell you, you just mentioned all the things that doubled. I'd like to contradict one thing. Okay. Care care has gotten worse by more than 50%. Mm. So please don't forget that in a socialized medical system, which is what we have today, the care has gone to hell, and it's gone fast. It's fallen like a rock ever since... Um, the gentleman that you mentioned was president, uh, had the Affordable Care Act. Uh, we have a big problem. Uh, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your office is. I don't care anything. I'm going to tell you, when you turn 30 years old, the warranty on your shoulder and your knee and your liver is over. And when you turn 50, your engine light is going to come on and you're going to need a doctor one day. Well, today's doctor is a shift worker. Why is he a shift worker? Because the government has paid the hospitals a lot of money so that they can buy up all the practices. And when you go to the hospital as a patient, you don't get to see your doctor anymore. You get to see some guy run in, run out, barely speaks English, doesn't know who you are, doesn't care who you are. Your nurse is off on the computer documenting notes because your care doesn't matter. The notes matter, but she needs to keep her job. She's not interested in whether you live or die because tomorrow there'll be another person that's going to live or die. So this is um, just touching uh, near the iceberg. Um, So the insurance companies, and I'm going to equate something here. A lot of people can understand and think we've lost our freedom of speech. Well, we didn't lose our freedom of speech. The government gave our freedom of speech 
to the Googles and the, uh, the Zuckerberg and, and the people that control the media. So they control and they have freedom of speech, but they are allowed to sanction you because they're not the government. The same thing has happened in healthcare. The government has empowered the insurance companies to say, well, if everyone has insurance, we don't care if you don't pay for their coverage. We don't care if you kick them out of the hospital. We don't care if they can't tolerate the generic. We couldn't care less what you do with them. Just make sure you charge them and make sure you pay the doctor just enough not to quit. Wow. And you're like, eh, this, guy's, this guy's blowing smoke. No, no, I'm not. I've been a doctor for 35 years. And uh, quite honestly, when I started, we learned a lot. It was fun. But, you know, keep in mind, if you're one of those VA patients, you are a guinea pig. I don't care if you believe me or not. You are. I've learned so much there with nobody around teaching me. It's unbelievable. Makes me one of the best that I am today for that reason. But not everyone takes uh, the advantage of learning everything. Yeah. Uh, the system is a mess. Now, I will tell you, there are, let's argue, 330 million people that live in this country. There are 100 million people that are on private insurance. Wait, let me get that. Yeah, 100 million people. No, I apologize. 100 million people are on Medicare, Medicaid, government insurance. There are 200 million people on private insurance. That's 300 million people. Now, of the people on Medicare, Medicaid, that's 100 million, 15 million of them are also on VA insurance. So they can choose if they want to go to the VA doctor or if they want to go to a non-VA hospital. So here's what they do. They go to the VA to get their prescriptions filled for free, but they see the private doctor because they want to see a real doctor that's available five days a week, not a clinic student that's there once a month. Sure. That's how it works. However, the reason I'm telling you this is because if you were to take the 15 million people that have both Medicare and the VA and say, well, wait a minute, you don't need two, um, so we're going to give 15 million uninsured people your insurance, and now you can both have insurance. Now you're down to 5% of the population is uninsured. 5%. That's a lot of people because it's, uh, whatever, 7.5 million people. But it's a very small percent. It does not justify the Affordable Care Act. It does not justify the socialization of medicine. It does not justify, quote, uh, care for all, because who the hell's going to pay the taxes for care for all? Well, by the way, they're not going to be that much because there's only those 5% of the people. And by the way, if we printed $6 trillion or so for COVID, um, I bet if I went line by line, I could find a trillion that wasn't really needed to build a bridge or something. And uh, we'd have enough money to pay for those uh, extra 5% of the people with Medicare, Medicaid, or whatnot, and everybody would be happy. The system should roll back 15 or 16 years and take my model and everybody will have health care. There will be good doctors. The doctors won't rush in and out of the room. The computer, which is meant to spy on you, which the government forced upon us with the Affordable Care Act, which is just a convenient way for them to spy, audit, steal your money. Um, oh, that's another thing. Why don't you want to be a doctor today if you're a smart guy? Mm. Well, for one, um, uh, you're being watched. You know, again, we do have socialized medicine. There's absolutely no doubt about it. You know, if you come to my office today and I diagnose you with a cold and I prescribe cold medicine A, and you go to the pharmacy and say, sorry, I'm not filling that. Why? Why? My doctor wrote a prescription. Oh, he needs to get a preauthorization from the insurance company. Why would he need to get it preauthorized? 
um, he wrote a prescription. Yeah. So you're telling me I got to go back to my doctor for another visit so he can write a letter indicating that he actually wants that prescription? Yes. And then I'm supposed to do a peer-to-peer peer-to-peer phone call with I don't know a retired nurse or something when I'm not a retired doctor in a specialty, but I'm not allowed to give you what you need because oh sorry, it's not on the formulary. And by the way, the formulary is not even always dictated by the price. It's dictated by the perks. So uh, the company that wants you to use all of their Band-Aids, they're going to give you a massive discount on uh, uh, Rolaids or or antacids or it's something push else. It's pushing product. It's not about what the customer needs and what the patient actually needs. It's pushing product. If we can get so many people signed up for a specialist or for a certain product or for a certain medication or pharmaceutical, then their job is done and they don't care. When did that change happen? Because there's a generational difference with doctors between those that believe in socialized medicine, which seem to be most of the younger doctors today, as opposed to the uh, older doctors that have been around for a while, seeing what this is doing and completely thinking this stuff is lunacy. When did that breakdown happen? And is it happening in the education to brainwash these new doctors? Oh, first of all, you, you, first of all, you brought up like 10 good points. (laughs) So I want you to be part of my practice. You can start whenever you want. (laughs) Second, um, you, you really do you get it, and you hit the nail on the head. So the breakdown occurred uh, with the Affordable Care Act, and it just spiraled out of control. And, and, and yes, right now, there is brainwashing going on. Um, when I was a trainee 35 years ago, we were all told, told to get as educated as possible, to learn as much as possible, and so on. Now, my daughter is, um, she is a third-year trainee in the specialty of medicine as opposed to surgery or pediatrics. And I did that plus two years of rheumatology, which is like an orthopedic without a knife. Mm. Um, Now, my daughter has been preached to for the last three years, oh, no, you don't want to go further. You want to stop. And if you work locally, we can get you an extra cookie and and maybe we can get your dog a bone if you'll just stay nearby. Wow. It's really sad, the brainwashing. And, you know, there's not a lot of good people out there that are capable of teaching. Um, you know, I'm not a bright guy. If I'm the best at what I do, that tells you there's some serious problems. I mean, there's some serious problems. And I, I've written these books, Bad Medicine and Medical Politics, to educate people, and you need to defend yourself. Um, when you're in the hospital, you are a sitting duck unless you have an advocate. Yeah, There's I tell you no what, doctor. To be... Yeah, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? I can uh, stay as long as you want. Hey, fantastic. Hang on the line here. We got to take a hard break. When we come back, I want to continue this on the changes of the healthcare industry and moving forward. Can we get this stuff back on track? And what are some of the alternatives and the options that we have out there? We'll do that with Dr. Stephen Soloway. Medical Pro- Politics is the book. The we'll do that when we come back. Stay here. With Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right, we are reason, common sense, rationale. We just do everything we can here on the program. Welcome back in. we got a few minutes left as we wrap up 
the show for a Tuesday today. Really happy to have this guy on. We're going to have to have him back on and probably do like an hour because there is a lot of things to break down, a lot of things to talk about. He is the author of the book Bad Medicine. He's also, by the way, uh, was part of former President Trump's fitness council. He was also part of the New Jersey Board of Medicine under Governor Chris Christie as well. He is, again, you can find his website, drsoloway.com, author of the book Medical Politics, How to Protect Yourself from Bad Doctors, Insurance Companies, and Big Government. Uh, Doctor, so real quickly here, let's talk about some of the changes we're seeing in the industry. And I've noticed two major ones over the last few years, and I think in a good way, because the private market always finds a way to compensate when there's a demand from the consumer. Number one is I think because of the massively high uh, pharmacy prices and doctor's prices and medical practices, there's been a major increase in holistic and alternative medicines, which I find absolutely fascinating. I love that stuff. And I think COVID really brought that out as well with the battle about vaccines and masks and all that sort of stuff. The other one, though, is the refocusing of not using insurance, but having like paid memberships to a family practice where you pay your membership and then you get seen, you get your clinics, you get your you know your screenings, whatever you need, and it's way cheaper than actually going out and getting insurance. Is that do you think going to be the future of the healthcare industry, or what what do you see coming forward as a compensation from the disaster we have right now? Well, the real reason to have health insurance is to protect you from going in the hospital and getting a hundred thousand or a million dollar bill. Yeah. If it weren't for the risk of going in the hospital and needing tests that can charge, you know, in the hospital $50,000 or $100,000 or, you know, 5000 a night for an ICU stay, you don't need health insurance. You go to the doctor, you pay $200 or, you know, $500, whatever it is. I mean, there's many people, they get Botox, it's $1,000. They come back the next week, they pay $1,000. So there's people who've got money, poor people, rich people. Everybody's got money for Botox. Now, um, so, so your model of, uh, you know, becoming a member of a, a particular group, yeah, that's a good model. Uh, the problem is if you have to go to the hospital, you know, you need that um, major medical coverage because, honestly, the bills are going to be in the seven figures, and that's no joke. Um, uh, I will tell you, um, so having no insurance is a bad idea. Sure. Uh, now, uh, the government is, is squeezing people every which way. I mean, they really are because what happens is the government says, you know, this year we're going to reimburse flu shots at $11. Oh wait a minute! The doctors and the pharmacies—they pay ten dollars. Maybe, maybe CVS pays nine dollars, but we're, we're going to really give them a haircut, uh, and they have no choice because we set we set everything, and um, then all the private insurers they follow. But you're right—the the consumer, with enough protest and enough yelling, of course, eventually uh, they will get their way. Now the pendulum has swung many times. Uh, Seventy-five years ago, it was cash and carry, but there were no expensive procedures. Um, then there were HMOs. Everybody was afraid. Oh, God, you know, I won't be allowed to go to the doctor. Well, then, you know, people got used to the system. They figured out how to manipulate through the system. And and now here we are with uh, turmoil. But, you know, while there's turmoil, there's also um, the ability to get around the turmoil. And what I write about in the book is how to defend yourself, uh, what you need to know, who do you need to talk to, like, should I call administration if my hospital stay is is just going wrong? You know, they, they're sticking me with an IV every five minutes, and I don't need it. They're taking blood that I don't need. They're running up bills they shouldn't. And by the way, this goes on. Yeah. You know, uh, I was in the hospital for 10 days, and I got billed for physical therapy. I never went to physical therapy. So 
you know, me or somebody needs to advocate to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is crazy. I didn't even have this. And then you look down the bill at the hospital, and the Band-Aid is $42, or walking in the door is, is $900 in the emergency room, and that was just to say hello. And by the way, the urgent care is not a good idea either, because if the hospital owns the urgent care, they just credit the $200 to the 2000 to go to the ER, and if the doctor owns the, emergency, uh, the urgent care, they shut their office and say, go to urgent care, because I can get 200 to visit there and not 40 at the office. Sure. It's pathetic. It's really sad that they've they've gouged it because, like you said, I mean, it's all about let's try and uh, charge the government and charge for the Medicaid, charge for the Medicare, charge for whatever they can to try and save $40 for a Band-Aid. And it's sad that we're at that point. Doctor, we're out of time, my friend. We need to get you back on for a longer time because this is a fascinating conversation and we need to fix this system because there are people now that are worse off before Obamacare, before the government took over, before Big Pharma ended up dominating this stuff and charging outrageous amounts. And we need to fix it now. It is medical politics, how to protect yourself from bad doctors, insurance companies, and big government. It is Dr. Stephen Soloway. You can find him online, drsoloway.com. Doctor, I appreciate it, my, fr- my friend, very much. Let's get you back on here soon. Anytime. Anytime. Hey, absolutely. Love it. We appreciate bad, that very much. Badmedicinebook.net. We're waiting for you. I'll sign all your books. Badmedicinebook.com as well. Check that out. I love it. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. We're back at it again tomorrow. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for that catalyst of change right in your local community. That's what you're all about. Until then, this is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.